When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Paul Ledoux gets a power play goal at 14.33 of the third period. Stands up as the game winner as the Los Angeles Kings take down the Edmonton Oilers 5-2. Two late empty netters round out the scoring for the Kings. The Oilers continue to struggle in Los Angeles. 12 consecutive losses in LA dating back to November of 2011. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. You can get us at 780-496-0063. LA in control through about the first 22 minutes of the game. Then the Oilers got it going, tied it up, tied going to the third. Some good chances both ways with the score 2-2. Each goaltender made a couple of big saves, but the Kings able to get that decisive one on the power play. And of course, the Oilers' penalty kill has been a problem this season, even though they had a couple of kills in the first period tonight and uh, do have the best road penalty kill in the NHL. The Kings get the winner with the man advantage. Well, Rob, it, it turned out a lot of a lot of action in the game. Uh, it, like, like I said, with, with the game in the balance, 2-2, both teams had a lot of good chances, but a costly penalty by Puliyarvi in the offensive zone, and the Kings take advantage. Yeah, when, when you fall behind 2 nothing like the Oilers did and you're chasing a hockey game, you, you've got to play perfect hockey. And, and I know that they came back and tied it up, but they, they still, you can't make a mistake. You know, the Kings made a couple of mistakes, the Oilers capitalized, but they had the luxury of making mistakes because they built the 2 nothing lead. Well, the Oilers tie it up, and then Pugliarvi, uh, you're behind the, under the goal line in the opposite zone. Uh, the puck is is loose. No reason to do that. And it's it's a young player making a young mistake. But in a in a, an important hockey game, we saw obviously the the outcome was dictated by the fact that the Kings get the power play goal. So you just can't do that. And the Oilers a, a good effort, uh, a strong effort by Talbot and Ned, a, a very good effort by their power play. The McDavid line was buzzing all night long, but all for naught because they fell behind and they take a silly penalty. And at the end of the day. Uh, they lose a game that, uh, to me, this was a game they had to win. They they just, now they're 13 points behind a team that they're chasing, trying to get into the playoffs. That seems like it's a mountain too big. 5-2, the Kings take it. Both teams won for three on the power play. The Oilers had all three of their man advantages in the second period. Leon Dreisaitl got a power play goal. Looked like he had another one with the game tied 2-2. Kemper made an incredible save getting across. There was a sequence early in the third period where Nurse hit the post. Camilleri was able to keep the puck alive. They didn't show a replay. I still don't know how Milan Lucic didn't score. I don't I mean, know how. I don't know how Camilleri didn't score. And Camilleri too, because they never showed yeah. the replay. It, 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 
they looked like they had three sure goals there. Nurse beats them with a great shot. It was a nice play by the Oilers off the crossbar. Then Camilleri, nice play, knocking the puck out of the air. He's got an open net. Then it bounces in front to Lucic. The Oilers had chances. Uh, and Kemper played very, very well for the LA Kings. Uh, this was a game that one bounce, one break was going to make the difference because it was a, it was an evenly contested hockey game. And, and the last bounce, the last break came on a power play. Uh, a, a, I don't know if it's a confrontation or it was a goal that uh, I know that I'm getting texts from buddies saying how is that a goal when the McDavid one wasn't I to me it, it was a goal I think it was the right call uh, but you just you put a team on a power play that's uh, I mean LA wasn't creating a whole lot five on five you give them a power play late in a hockey game and they just come back and bite you so the Kings take it 5-2. Uh, by the way, I was talking about some of the chances the teams had. About 40 seconds before L.A. scored, Cam Talbot, an incredible glove save down on the ice, reaching up to take one away from Anze Kopitar. But unfortunately, the Kings scored later on on that power play. 780-496-0063. We have Bob on the line. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I just wanted to make a couple observations and then have you make some comments. Uh, to me, the power, pardon me, the penalty killing uh, has been particularly weak, as we all know, uh, whether it's good on the road or not. But I've noticed in the last five or six power play goals by the opposition that Kajula has been directly responsible for it or on the ice when it happened. Um, I just think that we obviously need some more penalty killers. I'd like you to make a comment on that that can can perform. And other observations are the wingers are just so far ahead of the play that... Uh, they're all three of them, at least one, if not two zones ahead of the uh, ahead of the defenseman. So I know we need to have better movement by the defenseman with the puck, but if you could comment on those two things. Well, I, th- I think with the better penalty killers, I don't know if we're going to see any drastic changes. That might be a, an off-season shopping point for Peter Shirelli. There's been a few uh, changes. Strom kills a little more. Latestu kills a little less. And obviously, Pakarinen's up from the farm, and uh, and, and he's a penalty killer. In terms of the the forwards being separated, Rob, I mean, we've seen that at times this year, and and I think a good example tonight is the second goal. Mm -hmm. Two turnovers by defensemen. Now, are those turnovers, uh, are those bad passes by defensemen, or are those forwards not coming back down low enough to get a breakout pass? Those were both bad plays by defensemen. Uh, Just watch any game in the National Hockey League. The, the, The teams stretch. So they'll send guys up to the far blue line, they'll send guys up to the red line, and you fire the puck up to them. And that's how you beat an aggressive four check because you don't have to think. You just throw it. The guys will be standing there. Uh, the hockey is played differently now than it was years ago where everyone, you had to make 10-foot passes. Teams do it all the time now. They, they, they'll send a guy up there to the far blue line. You fire the puck, and then you'll have another winger come flying up there from behind, and you just chip it to him or you chip it into the zone, and that's how you make one pass, and you get from your goal line all the way into their zone just with one pass. So uh, to me, the the Fords were doing what they are supposed to do. Uh, Clef Baum, he f- kind of fanned on the pass, and it kind of hit the stick of the def- uh, of the, the forechecker, but he's got to make a better pass. He's got to put the puck in a position that the forechecker can't touch it. He didn't. It turned and came back the other way. 5-2, the Kings take it tonight. Three goals in the last six minutes, two of them into an empty net. $50 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. $25 for every Oilers goal this season. The total now up to 3600 bucks. Okay. Logan on the line. Hi, Logan. Uh, thanks, man. 
Morning, guys. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Um, so it was an okay first period, awesome second. They should have been up. It was a bad break in the thir- third period, and had chances, but and not should couldn't not should score. They were pushing hard. That was a big lose. Throwing on the road ahead, too many points to up. Do you guys comment on that? Yeah, for sure, Logan. Thanks a lot for calling. Well, the, the I mean, the point differential for sure. I mean, the playoffs—it's going to need—they're going to need a miracle to get in. He mentioned the second period, Rob, and it was a pretty much a complete turnaround from the first, where LA had the control uh, and the Oilers played better in the second period. I thought all around, and I even said this to you at one point during the game, we were talking about the Oilers' turnovers. As much as there were good offensive players in this game who who made good offensive mm-hmm. plays, Kempe Kopitar, obviously McDavid. I thought Camilleri made some good passes tonight. There were tons of turnovers by by both teams yep. in this game, I thought, in dangerous areas of the ice. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, part of it was four checks forcing players to make bad plays, but there was also a lot of bad passes just because they were bad passes where guys had nobody on them and they just tried to force something, they fanned on something, tried to make a play that wasn't there. And, I mean, wasn't it Sacro who said it you know, last year, the year before, if, if every game was perfect, all games would be 0-0. It would be no fun to watch. Everyone makes mistakes. And usually the team that makes the fewest mistakes and the team that executes better wins hockey game. And tonight the LA Kings uh, probably made a little bit fewer mistakes and they executed yep. better. But it, both teams made mistakes and, and star players on both teams made mistakes. So it, it wasn't... Uh, a pretty game. It wasn't a perfect game. It was a fun game to watch. I thought there was a ton of chances. And the Oilers easily could have won this hockey club, well, hockey game. They had just as many good scoring chances and probably had a couple of the better ones in the third period. They just weren't able to execute and capitalize. I mean, a couple, uh, there were two times in the third period, I, I think, I hate picking on guys, I think one was Strom, one was Kajula. They had the puck on the defensive blue line, mm-hmm. didn't didn't get it out. And that sequence we talked about where Lucic, we're still not sure how he missed, that was an L.A. player right up the middle to Kara, and, and that turned into an opportunity. So uh, an interesting game where there were some mistakes that, that led to opportunities, but the Kings get the big goal, power play goal. Game winner late, they go on to win 5-2. Let's go back to Los Angeles before we take more of your calls. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Good position heading into period number three. Yeah, it is. It's um, you know I thought we started a little bit slow. Obviously, getting scored on the first shot with a faceoff loss wasn't something we planned or wanted. And we've been through that uh, scenario too many times this season. But um, and then after that, where penalty kill did its job in the first, but we weren't allowed to uh, create a lot of offensive time because of that. But in the second, we did a much better job. Third, it was anybody's game. We had. Um, a couple really close calls at the other end, post to post, crossbar, and then Luch the post again. So, um, you know, we got offense from uh, a couple of our big guys, and the secondary stuff is is close, but it's not going in, and something we got to fix. Another winning goal. Uh, you're looking at replays. What's kind of going through your mind as you're hoping that a review goes in your favor? Well, I was hoping that we would have been playing this game two weeks ago because I think it would have been different. But um, we made the call. We took a chance and. Uh, obviously, it went against us, so um, nothing we can do about that. Two sides to the coin, like three times in four games, you came back from 2 nothing deficits to you know, at least tie it. The, the good side of that is you're showing the character to come back. The bad side is you, you can't keep going down 2 nothing. all the time. No, and, uh, that's a very clear, evident point. Um, you know, I could agree with you, obviously, um, but that's all I'm doing is agreeing with you. It's not. It doesn't help us when we give up 
the goal on uh, on the first shot. Um, you know, a face-off loss, a screenshot, that happens. And, and, and maybe it can happen tonight. It just can't happen as many times as it's happened during the season. So um, your point is real clear. I'm not sure how to answer that, but I did. Okay. Did you make it? Oh, go ahead. That's fine. Yeah. We're good? Yeah. Nice, we're good. Okay, that's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. And, and yeah, they fall behind 2-0 again. Happened, obviously, against Buffalo. They lost 5-0. Happened against Calgary. They win in overtime. Happened against, or I guess it went to a shootout against mm-hmm. Calgary, didn't it? Uh, they, they scored in overtime. It didn't count. Happened against Colorado. They came back for a point. Happens tonight against L.A. They get nothing out of the game. And, yeah, for the ninth time this season, the Oilers' first shot against goes in. That was a minute 10. Clifford scored off a one faceoff by Trevor Lewis. Kings take it 5-2 in the end. No Japanese village goal light tonight. The Oilers have to get to 5 for us to turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appy at Japanese Village, downtown south side, north side, three locations in Edmonton. All right, we got Stefan on the line. Stefan, good to hear from you again. Go ahead. Hey, how you doing, guys? Good, good. Glad you recognize me. Oh, yeah, we're getting used to you. It's good to hear from you. <laughs> getting used to you tolerating me. Anyways, um, first off, I just want to throw a fun fact out there, something I uh, looked up in the intermission. Um, the last player on a team to win the Art Ross from a team that didn't make that didn't make the playoffs. Oh, can we try to guess first? Oh yeah. Uh wow. Uh, Marcel Dion. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say Marcel Dion too. <laughs> no. Oh. Okay. Well, who was it? That's a very. Can't believe, guess. can't believe you laughed at us. I mean, he laughed at us. <laughs> oh no no no! I'm laughing with you. <laughs> oh, okay, that's better then. Um, Jerome Aguilma. 2001, 2002. Flames missed. Oh, the, the Flames oh, did no miss way. that year. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's that's a okay, cool fact. That's a good one. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw that out there and maybe comment on it after. You know, I couldn't help but notice. Um, anyways, I'll get to my question for both of you guys. You know, guys both don't mind answering this. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and point the fingers. We all know this team loses as a team. There's a lot of holes. But who do you think is the most coaches and assistant coaches and GMs aside, who do you think is the most disappointing Oiler this season? Oh, jeez. Uh, UC Jokinen. <laughs> <laughs> Who's currently on the roster? Uh, he's now on Columbus, isn't he? No. Uh, he I think Columbus no. claimed him off L.A. Uh, he, yeah, he wants someone who's currently on the roster. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to pick one guy. I mean... <sighs> I mean, Cassian hasn't been kind of that explosive guy that he was last year. Um, I mean, I Clef, mean, Clef Baum's season is what, what, yeah. what you were hoping to get from Oscar. And he had a really, really tough stretch. I mean, he's a guy, what do you have, 13 goals last year? I think so he had 12, yeah. 12 goals last year. This year he's got three. He's minus nine on the season. So, I mean, I don't know if he is disappointing, but I think the season he has has had, had is disappointing compared to where you expected him to be. So, I, I mean, there's obviously when your team is where it is in the standings, there's a lot of players that are underachieving. Yeah. I think Milan Lucic's season, I think he was hoping for a much better year. He's got nine I mean, goals on the six, year. 16 without a goal now? Yeah, 16 games without a goal, and, and has had some glorious scoring chances. So there, there's a few guys that uh, are certainly in that um, conversation of players who yeah. are, are having disappointing seasons. Who is it for you, Stefan? The first thing that comes to mind is Clefbaum. Yeah. And then I can't help but think Talbot 
despite some nights be like horrible yeah. in front of him. But I mean, you're you're right. I mean, after what we saw, the bar that. Cam Talbot set last year for himself where he was all world and as much as Connor McDavid was the NHL MVP Cam Talbot was equally as important to the Edmonton Oilers last year and just looking at his stats he's got a 3.1 goals against average his save percentage is just 902 so so you're absolutely right I, I think not this is not all on him it's sometimes on the play in front of him but last year he bailed his team out night after night after night and this year it just seems like uh, there's just that one, not bad goals, but he's just not that one save yeah, that you need. need. Save. And need he just save. hasn't had, he hasn't had it this year. Yep. So yeah, that's a good point by you. Yep. Well, that first goal that went in today, that last year, that does not go in. Yeah, you're probably right. And you know, and even the Kempe goal was right inside the post, but as Rob has often said, how many shots do you know might have been right inside the post and a goalie has the angle cut down and, and he makes the save. So yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a, bit, a bit of part of it too. Thanks for calling, buddy. Great fact with the Aginla stuff. Yeah, no worries. Love to call in and uh, hope we beat Anaheim next game. Yeah, for sure. That is Stefan, 780-496-0063. All right, uh, we got a whole bunch of people on on uh, hold here. Everybody is getting in. we got to take a quick timeout. Oilers fall 5-2 in L.A., another loss in Los Angeles. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brew House Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. It is Paul Ledoux with a power play goal for the LA Kings. It's the game winner with 527 left in the third. Kings go on to beat the Oilers 5-2. Ledoux named the first star of the game. Connor McDavid, the second star. Adrian Kempe, exciting player. He's the third star. Rob's going to pick our fourth star for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I thought Leon Dreisad had a good game tonight, but the, the, the guy I'm giving the fourth star to, Jujar Kara. Uh, pushed into being a centerman nowadays. I think he looks very comfortable at it. The only player on the Edmonton Oilers... Oh, oh, sorry, actually, there's two of them. He and Darnell Nurse were the only two players that were plus tonight. Jujar had seven hits, which led not only the Oilers, but led the entire game in hits tonight. And he also absolutely beat the smack out of... (laughs) Out of... Who was it? Christian Follin. Yeah, Follin, and standing up for one of his teammates. So, for me, Jujar Kara is your four-star. Okay, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll bring Marlene onto the show. Hi, Marlene. Marlene, do we have you? You mean Elaine? Oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead. Um... Yes, uh, I don't like what happened tonight. That the the goal uh, goal interference, uh, you know, the the goal wasn't overturned because, you know, uh, how come McDavid, uh, you know, uh, assist there, you know, the 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 strong goal, goal yeah. Course, yeah. So my concern is, you know, I've seen all these people, you know. Uh, you know, the goalie practically looking like they were hiding behind the door. Like, there was an opponent in front of them. You know? Yeah, I mean... And I've seen that a few times. How is that not called inter- uh, goal interface, even though, you know, nobody scored? Well, I mean, you're allowed to screen the goalie as long as you don't come into contact. And that's what you're supposed to do. I Both Reed and I watched the replay before they made the call. We both thought it was a good goal. Uh, we both didn't like the rule when they when Connor McDavid's or actually Ryan Strom's goal was disallowed, but since then 
The league has come out and said that they've talked to the referees. They said, do not think too much into it. Let your instincts take over. Unless it's something that you believe is drastic, then it allow it as a goal. So for me, uh, it was so subtle if he touched the blocker. It, to me, this was easy. It was a goal. And you saw that the Oilers didn't argue it. I think it was a great challenge. You hope that the referees can find something. But to me, if, if they start disallowing goals like this, like they did the, the Austin Matthews one, like they did the Ryan Strom one, you're ruining the game of hockey. So I think this was the right call. Rule 69.4, contact outside the goal crease. If an attacking player initiates any contact with a goalkeeper other than incidental contact, while the goalkeeper is outside his goal crease and a goal is scored, the goal will be disallowed. So you're allowed incidental contact outside the goal crease. Which is what we saw. You're not allowed it inside the goal crease, which is what they ruled the McDavid goal, though I though I still kind of had it, had an issue with that one. And you're right, Rob. And Todd alluded to it in his comments that maybe two weeks ago that would have been waved off. Gary Bettman came out and said, goaltender, the video review is to find obvious mistakes. Yes. So it, when they look at that, are they saying, is that an obvious goalie interference or is it something we have to think about? If we got to think about it, then let the play stand. Yep, no, it was the right call, and that's I, the way yeah. it should always be called. Always be called this way. Uh, it was just unfortunate break in the hockey game that cost the Oilers two points. The uh, mid-season interpretation change to goaltender interference, <laughs> thanks to Mr. Bettman and company, is our adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Okay, our old buddy Tony is on line three tonight. Tony, thanks for staying up late. What's going on? Oh, it's not even late, guys. I could, you know, I could go on and on about goalie interference because I don't know what it is anymore. Yeah, I admit he didn't bump him much, but in my opinion, from what I saw... I think it was, in a way, obstructing him. But the one player that I have really noticed that has kind of set up his game, and I did not know that an injury could do this much damage, but Clefbaum, because in my opinion, and I might be wrong, but I've seen his game go from lackluster to actually somewhat almost like what he was last year. What do you guys think of that? Well, he had a shoulder issue, as you as you know, and he is, Rob made the point during the intermission, he is shooting more on the power play, and that's helped the last couple of games. Yeah, because all I know is that when, now with that, with his slap shot, now it doesn't look like, you know, it doesn't look like he's wincing. It actually looks like he's getting it full. And he's going to, and I'm, and I'm waiting for him to hurt a goaltender to the point where they get, he gets knocked out because of how good that slap shot has gotten now. So... Now, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about the whole... Because as I said, I complain about the goaltender interference, but apparently no one knows what it is anymore. Well, Rob and I did. Thanks, Tony. I mean, we just kind of talked about that, that we both feel that that type of play should be allowed. But when we were watching the game, Rob and I did both say to each other, it should count, but we don't know. Yes. It is, it is, <laughs> it is hard to predict unless... Well, I was going to say unless it's obvious, but... The two Boston guys, who were they playing? Was it St. Louis last week? The two Boston guys skated through yeah. the crease. <laughs> Knocked the goalie yeah, out. And even, and even if they didn't mean to do it, it the, was like, in I the was crease. just reading the rule, if he's in the crease, so they didn't just bump him, they pushed him out of the net, and, and, and the goal counted. But I, I thought that was a fair call tonight, and I think that I, I think if there's ever a question, if it's a 50-50 call, it should go to the favor of the offensive team. Yep. That's just how I feel. Same way I feel about offside that I think that if it's close or as we've seen, if the skate's hovering over the line, they should start allowing those goals or just get rid of the 
challenge altogether. No, I agree 100%. I didn't, have a, I didn't have a problem tonight, so nope. the Kings win at 5-2. Power play goal was reviewed, and it does stand. Will is on the line. Hey, Will. Good evening, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, uh, just had a comment on uh, the team overall. That seems like everyone's struggling except Connor's line, pretty much. Uh, given the state of affairs as far as the team, do you foresee any changes, I guess, in the offseason? And in particular, I guess, uh, I'm thinking more on the defensive end of the, of the game of the team. Uh, just your thoughts on that? Well, that's a good question. I, I, it's, it's interesting with the defense because Clefbaum and Larson are signed long-term, still both relatively young. Russell has three years after this with a no-move. Secker has three years after this with a no-move. Nurse is going to be Nurse has to be renewed. I don't think they're going to let him go as He's a been their agent. best defenseman most nights. And, and, and Benning is a depth defenseman. He's your number six guy, and you're, you're going to re-sign him. So then you and now the way that Davidson has played, I mean, you're going to want to have him guy. back as your six seven guy as well. So I I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of movement on the back end unless they move one of those defensemen. Could they move one of the Swedes? One of them to to bring in some winger help, which is kind of funny because they traded a, I know they or traded defense, a winger to yeah. get a defenseman or a defenseman with a different dimension. True, true. I mean, there, there's the possibility if the team misses the playoffs, which every day it looks more and more like, mm-hmm. there will be changes. There has to be changes because obviously this is a team that completely underachieved at what they were expecting, and you can't stay status quo with a team that might miss the playoffs by 10, 15, 20 points. So, yeah, there will be a number of changes uh, that will happen once the season is over. Actually, they'll, the changes will start in about two weeks' time, two to three weeks' time at the trade deadline when they will get rid of all their unrestricted free agents or should or will try to, mm-hmm. and that'll be the start. But, yeah, there will be a ton of changes. Oilers lose 5-2 tonight on the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Good game between the Leafs and the Predators. Toronto wins it 3-2 in a shootout. Boston crushing the Rangers tonight 6-1. Man, the Bruins just on an incredible, well, like two-month run now. Well, they, they've got to be within, and I don't have it in front of me, they're within two points of leading the National Hockey League now, are they not? Just checking the other. They, they yeah, they're on uh, an incredible run right now. They are... They've almost caught Tampa. They're one point behind Tampa, tied with Vegas. So they're second in the National Hockey League. This is a team that struggled for a while. And yep. they've been without, they, they play without Marchand for quite a while. They've had injuries. They're good. They are a very good hockey club. Jordy is on the line. Hi, Jordy. Hey, how's it going, guys? Hey, pretty good. Right on. Um, uh, first time caller. Love the show. I listen all the time, every time. Thanks. After the game. Um, Tonight, there was a couple of players for me that really stood out. Um, Kara, for one, played one heck of a game. You know, got the scrap in and threw some hits out there and really, like, made a presence. Yeah, absolutely but, agree with you. Yeah, but the thing about, um, I can't understand Talbot and that, uh, you know, it's always that first shot or whatever that just puts us right deep in a hole right away and we got to try and dig our way out of that, and then I just don't know what's going on there. Well, the Oilers... Sorry, Rob, go ahead. Nope. I'm just going to check the, the first goal. I mean, as we mentioned, uh, the Oilers have allowed the first shot to go in nine times. Which that, is unbelievable. Hasn't all been Talbot. It was Brassois a couple times, but that that is that is harsh. And they have now allowed the first goal. 
Let's see here, Rob. 32 times out of 52 games. And I, I, I don't know if you have it off the top of your head. What's the Oilers' save percentage on the season? Like, they are one of the lowest teams in the I National I think it's just below 900. Yeah, yeah but they're, they're second last. Second last. So, I mean, you're, you're not going to be a playoff-caliber team if you're in the bottom five bottom 10 probably in the National Hockey League and save percentage. The Oilers benefited last year from the play of Cam Talbot. This year, Cam has not been anywhere near the bar he's set. Now, and the thing is, we're not seeing soft goals go by him. It's not like... Uh, Tonight, or the camper let an easy goal. He should have had McDavid's. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the type of goals that be, are beating Cam Talbot. But the the ones that are beating him are ones that he made the saves last year. We're not. They're not getting the big save that they got last year. And in games when you're losing by one goal, that one big save is the difference between a win and a loss. All right, Jordy. Quickly, we're going to finish the play. Kellen, what do you have? Darcy Kemper out to handle it for L.A. His shutout streak is over. Now the Kings and Aaron turnover. And Kara shot redirected. Re-shot off the crossbar. Rebound. Big scramble in the third period there. Jordy, did the Oilers score or not? Oh, boy. You know, I'm drawing a blank on this. Yes, but, it was uh, in the third period. They didn't I know. score. They uh, didn't score. Say nah, no. Say no. no. Darcy Kemper out to handle it for L.A. His shutout streak is over. Now the Kings and Aaron turnover. And Kara shot redirected. Re-shot off the crossbar. Rebound. A diving save made by Kemper. And, yeah, apparently Lucic hit the post, as Todd McClellan said in his postgame interview. Still not sure how he didn't put that in. Jordy gets an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park. Brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. He's, he's snake-bitten right now. Yeah. Like, Milan Lucic has had a number of great scoring chances that he hasn't put in the back of the net. And you could see the frustration when he went back to the bend. I, I can't believe his stick didn't shatter. That's a big man, big man throwing the stick against the boards. And, yeah, the frustration is starting to come into him. 16 games now since Milan Lucic last scored. Oilers lose 5-2. Lucas and Justin are next on the phone lines. You'll also hear from Connor McDavid, Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Final score tonight, LA Kings 5, Edmonton Oilers 2. The Kings got a goal early in the first, early in the second. The Oilers rallied with goals from Dreisaitl and McDavid. Tied until late into the third. Yessi Puliyarvi took an offensive zone penalty. Paul Ledoux scored on the power play at 1433. Uh, Iafalo and Kopitar added empty netters. Both teams one for three on the power play. Kings outshot the Oilers 28-27. Edmonton drops to 23-25 and four on the season. They'll play at Anaheim on Friday. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We have Lucas on the line. Hello, Lucas. How you guys doing? Pretty good. So, so just wanted to throw one number at you. I believe that's the 15th consecutive coaches challenge that has not gone in the favor of the Oilers. Uh, might be a little off. With yeah, you. I believe it's a, I believe it's 15 or 16. Well, video reviews whether a coach yeah. challenged or not. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now, my main talking point here was that by next season, we have 10 players that we need to get signed with roughly $21 million worth of caps. And that includes nurse and uh, betting extensions. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of work this summer for Peter Shirelli. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I still, at this point, yeah, I'm not 100% sure whether I dropped him or not. Uh, well, he will have to put his faith or instill his faith back in me this summer, but 
what I really wanted to say is that either of Sekera or Clefbaum really need to return to their last season form. But if cap trouble gets really bad, I believe one of those two would be the easier to move contracts. But the way they're playing now, it's nearly impossible. Well, is it, hold on one second, is Sekera... Well, Sekera has a, a no trade. Is starting in 1920, he can list 15 teams he'd be traded to. Oh. So, so he won't be traded so next year. year. He still can't be traded. Okay. And yeah. I believe he'll I believe he'll get back to where he needs to be. I mean, it, he, he had his knee done, and he missed all of the first half of the season. He's coming in, everyone else is in mid-season form. I believe Sekera will get back to where he needs to be. Clefbaum, as we talked with one of the callers earlier, his season to me is one of the most disappointing from what we saw him last year doing to what he did most of the year. And I know that he had some shoulder issues a bit, but, I mean, the, the big mistakes is what has plagued Oscar this year. And we saw it again at the beginning of the second period. Puck on his stick. Not a, not a whole lot of pressure on him. Turns the puck over, puck in the back of the net. Those are the things that he needs out of his game. He needs to get back to where he was. So, But you, as you said, the, when you have stars on your team, and, and it was funny, I was talking with some ex-hockey players today, we are talking about the fact that when they put the salary cap in, the players that were going to get hurt were the medium players because the, the, the best players are always going to get paid. So when you get your best players getting paid big money, and the Oilers have that, the Blackhawks have it, the, the, the Penguins have it, and other teams around the league, you've got to somehow find players that you can get that fit into your salary cap because next year the Oilers are going to have, I think we worked out, $34, $36 million tied up in five players, and the rest of the players have to come in at $36 million or whatever the salary cap's at. Peter Shirelli has a lot of work trying to fit the pieces into the puzzle to be able to get all the players that he wants under the salary cap. And whether or not those players are available is remains to be seen and that's that's the biggest thing well you're right and and i know that i think bob and and reed were talking about it before the game tonight that for you to be successful nowadays in the national hockey and this is just my opinion you've got to be able to grow your own players because you've got to get them on uh contracts that you can afford so you have the guys come up through the minor system and, and their contracts are um uh, doable, their budget-sized contracts because you've had you've had them throughout, and you bring your own players in because when you bring an unrestricted free agent in, you always overpay. Yeah, you have to because you're bidding against other people. But when they're, they're your own players, then you can pay them what they deserve or what they really should be earning. And the problem for the Oilers, if you look at their their farm system, I don't know what they've got, especially in the forwards that can come up next year and play and take... Yeah, they have more D right now. They have more D, but even their D aren't guys that you would think are going to play next year. I think their D are like a couple years away. Yeah, that's fair. But I, you're, I, you're I, right. So LA tonight, what was it, 11 players they had that were from their own farm system? Drafted players? Yeah. That's what and you have to We talked about be. Tampa Bay's amazing 2011 draft yeah. before we played them. So yeah, that's been a... Drafting's hurt the Oilers for a long time. Yeah, so we're still getting hurt from the Mac Tambellini era. Uh, in that well, go back to drafts in the 90s even. Yeah, it's been a... <laughs> well, I mean, I guess that doesn't affect the team now necessarily, but, but, but yeah. There's there's been, a, there's been a tough stretch. Yeah. Thanks, Lucas. Anyways, have a good one, guys. Kings take it 5-2. Connor McDavid, though, continues to produce points. He had a goal and an assist. Back to Staples Center. Here's the captain. For you, the fast starts need to come. Um, how we, can you change that? You know, we get that question all the time. Um, you know, we don't know what it is. Sometimes we're great off the hop. Sometimes we're, we're a little bit sluggish. Um, 
obviously tonight we weren't great off the hop, but uh, we found a way to get ourselves back in it, like you said, and um, I just came up a little short in the end. Is the power play slowly becoming something where you guys are drawing energy from? Uh, the dry side of goal kind of gets you guys started there. Yeah, uh, that's what the power play needs to do is always uh, always be a momentum uh, swing for us. Um, you know, whether you're scoring or not, you need to get your chances and, and uh, create that momentum, like I said. Uh, can you just take us through uh, your goal and what happened there? You collide with a teammate and then managed to make a play. Yeah, I was just a little bit late uh, on the play. Um, obviously, just getting up and saw the puck uh, was coming back up and I just tried to get my shot on it. It's kind of what you guys talked about when the stretch started, that you're in a position now where you just shell it and on to the next one because you still have four fairly huge points that are still on the guard. 100%, yeah. Um, on to the next. That's uh, all you can do. All right, there's Connor McDavid. Oilers fall 5-2 in Los Angeles. Face-off trivia before the game. $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery from Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. Uh, who did the Oilers draft 43rd overall in 2001? Same year the Kings took Mike Camilleri 49th. It was Doug Lynch out of the Red Deer Rebels. Okay, Justin on line one. Go ahead, Justin. How are you, boys? Good. Good. Uh, I don't mean to sound like the whiny Oilers fan or sound like I'm making excuses for any of the boys here, but before I get to my fundamental question, how much do you think this boils down to just some of the bad luck these guys have been having? I mean, like, you, you watch any sports center top 10 right now, and whether it's goalies robbing the crap out of you or, or, or Geno's against, it's always against the Oilers, whether getting robbed or, you know, it, or the opposite. It's just, it's no luck. Like, what do you guys think about that? No, I agree to some extent. I think that there's uh, there's a, a lot of games this year that could have gone either way, that have gone against the other. Just the the other goaltender made the big save that they needed. Uh, a post like tonight robbed the Oilers of a goal a couple times. Uh, the save that I mean, if if Drysaddle scores on that power play to go up three two in the second period, I believe the Oilers win. That's three straight goals. I think the LA crumbles a little bit at that point, but a big save. But uh, there there has always been that line: you got to be good to be lucky, and lucky to be good. And I think that the good teams seem to have more luck. And the Oilers right now have not been a good team, and the luck hasn't gone their way. But uh, I, I I do think that the Oilers are right in the mix. With most of the teams in the National Hockey League, they just haven't executed as well or haven't gotten the break that they needed at the right time. No, and I completely agree, but like some of these games, you know, if, if we are even getting a point in the ones that we deserve, you know, what's the conversation look like? Like, where are we sitting in the standings if we're just getting, you know, those, those pushes to overtime? But these. Yep, you're absolutely games. right. Yeah, but I think, Justin, I, I guess I look at that. that I mean, how many games have they lost? Four or five, nothing, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, they've handed... There's too many games they've they've been vacant. <laughs> they, they've yeah. just sort of almost given the other team a free pass to get, get the two points, and I think that's probably cost them more than the breaks, in my mind. Amen, amen. And uh, but what, what, in your guys' opinion, other than 9-7, who, who else do you see out there giving it 100% every game? Because... Other than maybe Darnell in 90% of the situations, I really don't see anyone out there bleeding for the boys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, who else? Um, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think sometimes uh, a lack of execution um, may, may look like a lack of effort. I, I do believe the effort's there. Sometimes frustration comes in and, and the, the effort goes in the wrong direction. But I, I, I don't believe that anyone in that dressing room is quit or is doing anything less than what they think is their best. I just think there's, there are some players that have underachieved. And w- without any doubt, doesn't mean I don't think they're not 
that's not that they're not working hard enough. I just don't think maybe they're not working smart. Maybe they their focus is in the wrong direction. I don't know. But, I mean, you're never going to question a Sekra or a Russell or a Leon Dreisaitl or a Jujar Kerr and, and their effort or a Camilleri. Just, I just think that some of the players may have overachieved last year and your expectations of what they're capable of doing is probably a little too high. Thanks, Justin. Really great. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it, buddy. 780-496-0063. Dave's going to be our next caller. You will also hear from Leon Dreisaitl. Oilers lose 5-2 in Los Angeles. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Live Center. from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 chair. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in this morning. It's 12.17. Jeez, if we're here long enough, we'll run into Bob Layton. <laughs> what are you guys still doing here? I'm Bob Layton. That's pretty good. Well, I've had a lot of practice. I've listened... Well, sometimes when I'm he on, actually what, might be away this weekend. What time does he come on? Because I sometimes when I'm driving into the show, I hear him as I'm listening to you guys. Must be the early games. Is that what it is? When we do the East oh, his Coast editorial games? plays at five in the afternoon. There you go. That, so, so he tapes that early. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't come back. He doesn't sit around all day just to do just a two, wait a all day at five o'clock. If anybody would, though, it'd be Bobby. <laughs> uh, it's five two. The Kings win. We have Dave on the line. Hello, Dave. Hey guys, great show. Uh, season ticket holder. I just the last caller. I uh, I, I have to disagree. You have to work hard to get your breaks and your bounces, and this team just hasn't brought it this year. Whether that's just, like Rob said, they're just not playing to their potential, but when you get blown out at home 5 nothing, 5 nothing, um, it's just it's, it's frustrating. But my point is, and i sorry, I apologize, got off the tent. The Chicago Blackhawks, guys, what does that team do, um, in your opinion, um, at the trade deadline? Ooh, oh wow! That's, that's a, a good. Question. That is a really good question uh, because man. Uh, well, I mean, you I have think it's your buddy Judd Serrano yeah, on the show. Uh, yeah, it's true too. I should call. Actually, well, Judd though's in Boston now. He's the play-by-play guy for oh, the Boston right, Bruins. Yeah, he moved on. He that's moved right, on. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, some of the moves they've made have backfired. Uh, you know, trading Panarin for for Sad or Sad. How do you Saad, say Sad? Yeah. That has not worked out well at all for for the Chicago Blackhawks. I I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I, it's funny. We look at other teams and, oh, the Blackhawks, they're too far out. They're never going to make it yet. They're six points ahead of the Oilers. There's still belief in this city. Um, I, I, I don't know. They, they need a retool is what they need. I mean, they've got a ton of money in their top two players. And Tave, I love Jonathan Taves, but he's got 30 points on the season, making close to $10 million. Ten and a half. Ten and a half he's million dollars. Hit. They got Duncan Keith. I don't know what he makes, but he's got zero goals on the season. He's at five and a half. And, and then they got Seabrook, who was a healthy scratch. So there's, that's their core. Three of their four of their core have not come even close to what they need them to be. Patrick Kane's been an all-star again. So, I, I, honestly, I don't know. I think, again, they're probably going to be a seller because, uh, like the Oilers, they if it was just one team they were trying to catch, then you can believe that you're going to have a run and can it catch. But when you got to start jumping over three, four, five teams to make the playoffs and you need all of them to falter, the Blackhawks probably are not making the playoffs. So do they start shedding 
contracts and then start rebuilding again in the and, summer. And I don't some know. some guys have no moves, right? Like, obviously, they're not going to trade the four guys you mentioned, but though they do all have no moves. And Isimov has a, has a no move. I don't mind some of their younger guys, Dave. Like, I, I like Schmaltz. I, I, think, I really like Schmaltz. I, I th- actually think Hartman, you know, is pretty good. Well, he's 23, so he's not he's not super young. Well, I, I just find it's, it's, it's uh, and you guys are right, it's, it's, it's that scary point where you've got a lot lot of dollars there and you've got teams that are going to be a, a little bit afraid to touch a guy like, I mean, Duncan Keith is an absolute stud, but you're right, he's struggling and are you going to, you know, will you do that? And, and then you shed and then you're right, it's a total retool, but love the show, guys. Thanks for your time. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too, just quickly as an aside, with... Well, I mean, you can look at almost any team, Chicago, Edmonton, Pittsburgh, whether the team's having a good year or a bad year, the star players get the money, Yep. and they often get a no move. Yes. So if at some point you might say, Chicago, I mean, just to use an extreme example, they might say, we got to trade Jonathan Chaves. You can't. No, and not unless he wants to. Unless he says, yeah. I'm going to waive it, and most guys are going to be like, the you, re- you agreed to it. Yeah. Why would I? Why the reason I? I put it in the contract is because I don't want to move. Yeah, and then I th- and that's another thing too, Rob. Why often the bigger moves happen in the summer? Yes, because the f- because the free agents change hands, or or GMs will say, okay, now now I'm ready to trade big player A to, for big player B to another team. Because a, a lot of teams at the trade deadline, now the Oilers might not be this year. But a lot of teams at the trade deadline are still in it because mm-hmm. they might say, "Well, we're five points out of a wild card." Like everybody in the West, except for maybe the Oilers, Arizona, uh, Chicago, Vancouver. and Vancouver, could be within three points of a playoff spot at the trade deadline. Actually, it's Chicago could too. They're only five or six points out yeah, now true. too. So, but the, the the and then the other big reason why it happens in the off season when you're trading big, big contracts or, or it's a big it's a big deal. The trade deadline, everything's going down to the wire, and, and there's you've got you're making decisions. Okay, we got so now I, we want they offer this and this. Okay, now how do I fit it into my salary cap? This guy's got term. What can we do? So there's just so many things, so many variables going forward that you need. The big trades take time, and a lot of those trades, okay, they talk here. Okay, we'll get back to you in two three days. Okay, three days later. What if we had this? And then we got to move this guy out to be able to bring this guy in. So there's so many pieces that have to be uh, moved around to make a really big trade like that. It's not something that's going to happen at a deadline. It's usually going to happen in the, the off season. And if the Oilers are where they are come April, there will be big moves in the off season because this is a, a team that many expected to be much better. Maybe they expected too much. But they certainly should be a playoff hockey team with the roster they have. 5-2, the Kings beat the Oilers tonight. Leon Dreisaitl had a goal. Here he is. What happened at the start of the game that allowed the Kings to jump out to that early lead? Well, maybe we weren't, weren't ready for it. Um, obviously, they're big bodies. You know, they put put a lot of pressure on you um, starting starting an OD zone. So um, maybe we weren't, weren't quite ready for that. There's two like a few times you guys have come back from two nothing down. I mean that shows a lot of character to do that. But there's two sides of it. You don't want to be down two two nothing all the time. Is there something that you can do to kind of avoid that in the future? Yeah, just better starts uh, in general. I think that um, you know obviously I think we've had that that problem a lot this year where we were kind of chasing the game. Uh, you know obviously uh, shows the character that we come back, but um, too bad we couldn't close it out. Obviously, the end result might not show it, but is the power play slowly starting to become something where you guys can draw some energy of out of uh, even if you could just get one tonight? Um, yeah, 
um, I think that you know obviously we've been working on it and, and it hasn't hasn't been uh, as good as we want it to be this year so um, you know it's time for the power play to step up and uh, the last two games have been uh, pretty productive. You guys talked about it at the start of this trip so I guess you're in a position now to just shake it off because you got four very huge points that are still on the table that you guys have to make a lot of. Yeah um, you know we can still come out with a good road trip um, you know obviously we knew coming into this road trip it's um, it's going to be three hard games um, you know too bad we couldn't get the first one but um, you know, we have to make sure we're ready for the next two. All right, that is Leon Dreisaitl. And the next two for the Oilers, Anaheim and San Jose, will have the game at the Ducks on Friday. Face-off show at 6. The game will start at 8. Tonight, the Kings get a power play goal, five and a half minutes to go. A couple of empty netters beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-2. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. You can get more on 630Ched.com. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auction broadcast center. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.